remember. We're supposed to remember. We gave you a lot of different things we ought to remember, but we're going to emphasize one of them especially this morning, and that being remember Lot's wife. We mentioned that on Wednesday, and then the Lord willing, tonight, unless the Lord directs us otherwise, we'll be uh, telling, we'll be bringing a message on remember the fringe and the blue ribbon. Remember the fringe and the blue ribbon, which was an identification and a reminder to the Israelites that they were God's people, and it was to remind them of the commandments of the Scripture. By the way, did you not know that uh, in the Old Testament God said that they were to they were to have phylacteries on their on their foreheads and on their hands, and they were to have the Word of God on their doorposts of their house. We're to put the Word of God up everywhere so that you remember where God found you. He found us all in sin. This idea that little babies are so lovely, they are lovely, uh, not all of them. One of my little girls, now she turned out lovely, but they thought she was the, uh, the Miss, Miss Farmville, one of our relatives said. But when she was born, she looked so funny all wrinkled up and head full of hair. I said, that's supposed to be beauty? <laughs> now, my firstborn son, he looked like a little girl. He was handsome from birth. But the girl who ended up Miss Farmville, she looked awful at birth. By the way, we all look pretty bad and awful at birth because we're born with original sin. Thanks be to God. Jesus' blood will wash that sin away. I was thinking just in the last couple days, we that are saved are beautiful to God. We are His bride. We're beautiful to Him. Only because He's come and entered into us at the new birth and lives in and through us and He is the beauty of the believer. Some of us are pretty ugly, and some of us are getting uglier by the moment. I'm losing my teeth and my hair. You can see my hair is leaving me. Some of you younger than me are almost in worse shape than I am in that regard. But we're beautiful to God. In fact, the Bible says, that uh, the, what that the death of his saints is precious in his sight, and then as I said, we're his bride. And God says even that our feet are beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of them that take the gospel? The Bible says, publisheth peace. But I'll tell you, outside of Christ, we're an ugly bunch. In fact, we're on our way to hell's fire if you're not saved by His grace. You're very ugly to God if you're not saved this morning. He'd like to make you beautiful. You may look beautiful on the outside, but God sees the inside of you, sir. Though your mother says you're such a handsome young man, God says you're as ugly as the pit until I save you. Amen? You know what the... uh, the Bible explanation, I've got to go to Isaiah for a moment. It seems like the Lord's bringing this up and I like to bring it out. I think I have the right portion of Scripture, Isaiah 1. I don't use this very often, but 
It's sure a good picture of you before God comes in and beautifies you. Look at Isaiah 1 with me. By the way, this is most likely the way Lot's wife was. Her whole life. Though she might have been attractive to Lot, and I'm sure she was when he married her. Though she might have been attractive to those around her, it seems like that she never was regenerated. She never had saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For she looked back, and God turned her into a pillar of salt. Look at verse 1, I mean verse uh, 2 of Isaiah 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, as we do the groundwork for our message. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. This is exactly what Lot's wife did. She rebelled against the truth. The oxen knoweth his owner and the ass's master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, and they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away, uh, away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds, this is what I was really getting at, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Oh, that's what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, sure enough. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. And he goes on through all this, and he mentions even Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at verse number... Well, let's just read all these verses. Verse 7, Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devour it, and in your presence... And it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodging, a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left you unto us a very small remnant, we had should have been as Sodom. And we should have been like unto Gomorrah. I'll tell you, there was nothing left. Nothing left. The fire had destroyed and licked up everything. I'm sure just like unto the place where the sacrifice was licked up and all the water around it in the day of Elijah as he prayed down the fire from heaven. I'm, I, I'm thinking that probably just... I mean, this was the fire of God, fire and brimstone. It, probably every everything in Sodom and Gomorrah was completely just licked up and just completely destroyed along with all the inhabitants. So much so that they believe that that is the very place of the Dead Sea. And what kind of a thing was Lot's wife turned into? A pillar of salt. And you go look at the Dead Sea over there. Did I say the Red Sea? The Dead Sea. 
All right, I said the right thing. They say that that's full of minerals and it's so salty, it's as salty as Salt Lake, the city of Utah. It's just real, it's terrible. And, it's, and they say there's a stench there too. There's a stink. Because there's no, everything from the Sea of Galilee and Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. And there's no outlet for it. And though it's wealthy and it's very, it's, it's very wealthy place, it stinks. They say that's the very place where Sodom and Gomorrah, at the bottom of the Red Sea, I mean the Dead Sea. And so what a terrible place that was. Then it says in verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of your God. And ye people of Gomorrah, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks and of lambs and of he goats when ye come to appear before me who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts bring no more vain oblations incense is an abomination unto me the new moons and sabbaths the calling of assemblies I cannot away with it is iniquity even a solemn assembly your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth they are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Some people have the idea that God hears every prayer people pray. That's a bunch of foolishness. We have a many psalms that says God will not hear the, the iniquity. Your hands are full of blood over in Isaiah chapter 50. I believe it is 51 and on, 52, 53. I will not hear in your hands are full of blood. Wash you and make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment and relieve the oppressed. We already covered that this morning. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for widows. Come now. Look, at this is the only answer, friends, to your sinful condition. Young lady, young man. If you're a sinner on your way to hell, this is the only answer. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And goes on and on. Turn with me to Luke 17, verse 32, please. Luke 17, verse 32, as we stand and reading this verse of Scripture. One verse of Scripture. Only three words. <laughs> That's almost the shortest verse in the Bible. The shortest verse is Jesus wept. John 11:35. Jesus wept. Here we have probably the second shortest verse in the whole Bible. And it's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. All Scriptures give my inspiration of God. And yet I think we need to take extra, extra special note of the commands of the Master Himself. Look at this verse 32 of chapter 17. We'll read it three times together. <laughs> Pretty easy. You ought to be able to memorize it by the time... You're through with the message this morning. 
I hope that you'll never forget this verse. I hope that possibly it'll bring the whole message back to your remembrance or parts of it. That you'll not be negligent to obey. This is a command, by the way. Jesus gave commands all the time. So let's read it three times. Remember Lot's wife. Second time, remember Lot's wife. Third time, remember Lot's wife. So I would admonish you this morning to remember Lot's wife. Because Jesus said we should remember Lot's wife. Let's pray. Father, bless we pray. Thy eternal word, Father, we're so far from what we would like to be. Even though we've been washed in the blood and saved by Thy grace, we still fail so much, our Father. We allow things to come to our minds that should not pass that way. We allow, dear God, at times things that are inferior, things that show our weakness, and we allow them to uh, reside in us for a short period of time. Oh, God, forgive us. Cleanse us and purify us, for we are thy bride, and we, should, we are beautiful in Christ, and yet, our Father, we get tarnished up our lives do at times because we don't listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit who lives in this temple, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Dear God, this body that has been made uh, the residence of the Holy Spirit of God, so, Lord, we ought to live holy lives. Think holy thoughts. Go to holy places and walk a holy walk because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Teach us as believers. And then, Lord, reprove those that think they're saved this morning and are taking shelter in the religion and faith of others. And may they claim Christ for their very own today and be saved. We ask and pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus did not say, Remember Abraham, who I brought out of the Ur of the Chaldees, although there's much Scripture to say that. In fact, a whole lot more Scripture spoken about Abraham or David than there ever was spoken about Lot's wife. And then He didn't say, Remember Lot. There was a lot more said about Lot than there was about Lot's wife in the Bible. He didn't say, remember Sarah, who was Abraham's wife as they came out of the Ur of the Chaldees. But Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And in the context, it's talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, at His as we come close to His coming or close to death, we need to remember Lot's wife. But then Jesus just made a statement during this time when He's giving this discourse about the second coming of Christ and He says, remember Lot's wife. He doesn't tell us when to remember Lot's wife. I think in times of ease, we need to remember Lot's wife. I think when everything's going fine and dandy in your home and in your finances, I think you need to remember Lot's wife. I think if as a loved one it dies and goes out into eternity, we would do well to remember Lot's wife. 
And then especially in the times of apostasy, which we are in in America, as we're going to the things of this world rather than the God who gave us everything. Our love is and affection it seems to be going toward the things that Lot's wife loved. And there's an apostasy, a turning away from the Bible and the clear commands of Scripture. And so in that area of apostasy, we need to remember Lot's wife. I think we need to remember Lot's wife when we get married. We're newly married, for Lot was married to Mrs. Lot. Amen? And she was, bur- she was not burned up in the fire of Sodom and Gomorrah and Zebodim and Adama, but she was turned into a pillar of salt. And by the way, she was rescued more than once from problems at least the one time we know she was rescued by Abraham when they came and they took Sodom and Gomorrah and took them away. And then Abraham found out about it. He armed his men and they went after and they rescued Lot and Mrs. Lot. And so you cannot abide in past times when you've been rescued or preserved from an accident or even from captivity or even from jail, or even from any other deliverance. That does not mean you're going to be delivered in the end just because you were delivered earlier in your life, is what I'm saying. Because Lot's wife was protected, probably. In all probability, she was protected definitely in the time when Abraham rescued them. It has been said, and I do not know if it be true or not, There's nothing said about Lot's wife before he went into Sodom. We do not know if he was married or had children until he went into Sodom. Some have even said that maybe he found his wife in Sodom. We don't know about that. We don't know. But I know one thing. Sodom got into this wife of Lot's. And it says in the Bible in the New Testament, and just Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the filthy communication of the wicked in Sodom. We know that Lot was a believer. He was a saved man. He hated sin, and yet he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And everybody paid. Everybody paid. Even his two daughters who committed incest with him after he got out of Sodom, after their mother was turned into a pillar of salt and looked back at Sodom. The last you hear of Lot in the Old Testament is the sin of incest as his daughters made him drunk and and his very children were his grandchildren. What a mess sin will do for you. Why did his daughters have any alcohol out there to begin with? You take your Bible when you run from Sodom, amen? That's all you take. You don't take any... Alcohol, or maybe they got it later, but you don't bother with that. The angels were pulling them out of Sodom, friends. I want you to know the same angel that pulled Lot out of Sodom and his two daughters out of Sodom. The angel pulled Lot's wife out of Sodom. She got out of the destruction of the fire, but she, and ultimately she, what? So she was rescued that time. She didn't die in the fire. 
But God made her a monument to the whole world and all the ages to come to remember Lot's wine. And even the historian Josephus says that there was a pillar of salt down there near the Dead Sea. And they said that that was Lot's wife. I don't know if it was or not. I know one thing. God put her and turned her into a pillar of salt which was a monument that God will ultimately judge you if you look back at the world and have a hankering for the things that you used to enjoy in Sodom. This is also a wonderful rebuke. This this discourse that Jesus gave was given mainly to the disciples. So this is not just for unbelievers to warn them to flee from the wrath to come. And not take shelter in your husband's religion and your husband's faith. But you must have faith yourself, dear lady friend. You cannot go to heaven because your husband's a, a, a religious nut. That will not save you. You must trust Christ as your own Savior. Every one of us should give account of himself to God. I'm so glad your grandmother or grandfather were godly people. I'm so glad some of you here, your relatives that way back, that you had a, a godly uh, grandfather or uncles that preached the gospel maybe over in the hills of West Virginia or somewhere else. But that will not save you. You must have the Christ that they preached. You will not to go into heaven on the, the coattails of some religious person who really loved God with all their heart and gave their tithes and offering and their whole self to God. That won't save you because your uncle was a deacon. And a godly one at that. Amen? You've got to be saved yourself. That's not all. You may be saved this morning. And you're going to have a problem in this world. The love of the world is just... Everything says love the world, love the world, love the world. All these TV shows about uh, prizes and, and, and they, they show all these ill-clad women standing next to some bedroom suit or some automobile. And though everybody says, oh, I don't say, oh, I say, what a bunch of wickedness. The love of money is the root of all evil. And the love of God is the root of all good. And I would, I would say, don't love the automobiles and the bedroom suits and, uh, and the trips to, to Hawaii. Don't love that junk. You'll leave it all behind. But lay up your treasures in heaven. Set your affection on things above. Love the poor. Everybody wants to get, get, get. Oh, I wish I was a millionaire. I'm glad I'm not a millionaire. I'd probably not love God as much as I do now. Most of us can't handle money. That's why God gives us so little. Amen. It would turn our hearts toward the money or our bank account instead of our love for Christ. I don't know. But I've yet to find many wealthy people. I know Moody did in his day. But where are they, friends? Where are the ones that say, I'll give my property to God like they used to do years ago and build the church on my land that I will give to God? No strings attached. Where are these people today? Where are these people today who will come and write $10,000 checks and and $50,000 checks 
as they did in Moody's day. I mean, they gave a lot of their money, Fields and, and these different ones. They, they, they just supported his work. And when his, all of his works burned all up down there in, in Chicago, the whole city burned down. Everything that Moody had burned to the ground. And his friends who had money came to his rescue. And after a while, they started the Moody Bible Institute. They started, started up again. Some of those men helped him finance his trips to, to, over to Britain. Had great move of God. I don't know, where are these wealthy people? They're all supporting that fellow with his glass house out there in California. That's what they're doing. Robert Schuller, Robert Schuller, he is a compromiser and he's a power of positive thinking man. And I wouldn't have a thing that I wouldn't send him a nickel of my money. In fact, I'd like to get a nickel of his money and give it to some poor person in his glass house. God's going to tear his glass house down one day. I have a relative went and, you know, big things. People like big things, don't they? They like prosperous churches. Well, I want you to know, my Jesus had nothing, but he had, he was God himself. He condescended so he could take us up to heaven. He came down to take us up. He became born in a stable so we can be in a palace for all eternity. My Savior had nothing. He came out of the ivory palaces, but He came to a world of woe and poverty. And His followers didn't have anything either, but, oh, praise God, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. And that's just what He meant. He didn't have any. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the man was jumping all over the place. Glory, I'm healed. I'd rather get healed and have a bunch of old money. He was begging. He said, we don't have any money for you. But we got Jesus. Amen. What more could you want than to have his presence? And this wonderful presence of Christ that we have this morning, it's for us forever. Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells are ringing. Won't it be wonderful there? But until then, the song says, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy, I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold the city. Until the day God calls me home. Until then. I want you to know Lot's wife had her mind on the things of this world. She was worldly-minded. She had a saved, believing husband. But she never got converted. Whether she was born and raised in Sodom or not, we know not. Sodom had gotten into her. I'm telling you another thing. The two daughters and Lot didn't look back. But one of the four did look back. And she didn't make it, did she? She got out of the fire of Sodom, but she turns into a pillar of salt, and ultimately she's a monument to the world and say, remember Lot's wife and her worldliness. And she looks back as the angel had told her, don't look back. She disobeyed the Word of God. And the thing is, she got immediate judgment. Now God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But sometimes God judges people 
Immediately. He did it with Belshazzar. He was drinking, using the silverware of God, the silver and tableware of God, the things that were taken by Nebuchadnezzar out of the temple. And what does he do? He's eating and drinking with his concubines and his worldly crowd, and there's the handwriting on the wall. Thy days are numbered, and thou art, thou, thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Says that his knees smote against each other. When God comes on to see, your knees will smite together too in your drunken stupor. Well, what does this mean? What does this mean? Thou art found in the balances and weighed in the balances and found wanting. God hath numbered thy days and finished it. And it says that very night they came in and killed him. That very night they killed him. Immediate judgment. What about the time when Herod is out there? He's riding along and he, he gives an oration. He gives a great speech there. And they said, he's a God. Oh, he speaks like the, with the tongues of angels. And he gave not God the glory. And God immediately smote him with worms and ate him up with worms that God had created. He didn't take the glory one more day, did he? God smote him immediately. Sometimes God works that way, friends. Sometimes God does. You know, there's another two fellows, I mean, a, a man and a woman, and they were uh, an affront to God, Cosby and uh, was Zimri and whatever. You know, there's two of them over there in the time when they, they were just an affront to God. They were going into the tent to have sin and sex. And they were trying to let everybody know they were on, on the devil's side. And you know what happened? Old Phineas goes in there, the high priest's son or whatever, or the high priest, and he takes a javelin. And, he, and you know what he does? Because God's motivating him. And there was a curse on the people, by the way. You know what happens? He takes the javelin, and he, he gets Cosby, and thrusts her through, and Zimri kills them both in there. And God says, glory be to God for Phineas. Sometimes God will put up with your sin a long time and sometimes He'll kill you instantly. He did that with Ananias and Sapphira in the church age. Church age, friends. He smote that other one uh, with blindness as well. Paul, with Paul, remember that? He was trying to dissuade the deputy. Paul smote him with blindness. And then Peter, here's Peter, so God used Paul, and then what about Peter? Oh, Ananias, did you agree for so much money? Oh, yes, we did. They lied about their giving. So God just said, I'll just kill two of them, making them an example to everyone else, like I'm going to make Lot's wife an example to all these people who love the world more than they love my Bible. And so Ananias said, yes, we agree. You know, down he goes. Take him out. They carried him out and buried him. His wife comes in a couple hours, a few hours later. Have you agreed, Mrs. Sapphira, for so much money? Yes, we have. Oh, you lied to the Holy Ghost. You haven't lied to man. You've lied to God. The ones that carried your husband out they're going to, and buried him, they're going to carry you out and plumb she falls dead. You said, who in the What's Peter, the, the man who's giving life to everybody, killing? God killed him at the word of Peter. 
Peter didn't kill him. God just told him earlier, I'm going to kill two of these people. I'm going to make an example. And the Bible says, great fear came upon the whole church. When they heard that God killed two of them, they probably said, boy, I haven't been tithing or giving my money. Maybe God will kill me next. Be good some of it. All y'all got scared about that. Amen. Our offerings would sure pick up. Listen, I like to preach this because our offerings are real good now. Amen? I don't like to ever preach on money when we're having problems financially. Our finances are great, so I'll just pour it on right now. Because I'm not doing it to get the more in the plate because we've got a good amount in the plate. Now, we're going to try to build a new church building, but I'll tell you what, God will build it whether you put it in or not, if it's His will. Or if God sends some wealthy people by or not. I did pray that last night. It wouldn't be a, a bad idea. If God didn't send a couple people like he did to Moody. Who write checks and that's their gift. Is writing thousands of dollar checks. Like we're having a big, a big deal and a hard time writing our hundred dollar checks. Amen? Some people can write ten thousand dollar checks as easy as you write hundred dollar checks, friends. Amen? They got so much. We heard about that from Brother Julian in the Sunday school, didn't we? One man lives off his interest completely. And his finances keep going up, 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 up. But I'll tell you what. God knows what you're giving and what you're not giving. And we're going to meet our giving when we stand before the Lord. Some of you, that's the one thing you can do in the church. You can give. You can't preach. Amen? You can't. Do other things you can't sing. A lick. You're you're just you don't even like to hear yourself sing. You're so bad. Amen. Now the Bible still says, "Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands." Amen. So keep on singing. But I'm saying nobody enjoys you, not even you. But you can give. Amen. And you you say, "Well, I don't even have a job, preacher. I can't tithe. I don't even have a job." Then you could encourage others to do right and tithe. Until God gives you some income, and then you could tithe. Wouldn't that be good? You could encourage the little children around you, but you won't be doing that if you're robbing from God yourself. Uh huh. They won't encourage the little booze-like little girls to tithe or Rodney back here. They won't, they won't, if they're not tithing themselves, Rodney, they're not going to encourage you to tithe their money. They won't mention it because they're scared because they know they're robbing from God. So you know what they are, Rodney? They're a poor example to you. If they claim to be a saved person, know Christ as Savior. By the way, oh, I go a step further. I believe even sinners ought to tithe. I do. I believe I've got Bible. When they came out of Egypt's bondage, I mentioned it the other week. I preached myself. Say, preacher, you gonna preach it all again? I don't know. I know one thing. Lot's wife loved the things of this world, and she probably wasn't too big on giving. Boy, it would be a good thing. Those people that came out of Egypt's bondage, the priests were commanded to take tithes of all the people. And they weren't all saved. Amen? And that little boy there, whether Joseph saved or not, he ought to be taught how to tithe till he comes to know the Christ who he is tithing to. He is to be taught, little Joseph, stand up, Joseph. I'll just use you as an example. He's a nice young boy. Amen? You know, he ought to, we teach this young fellow how to read his Bible. And pray before he knows the God he's praying to. And before, and we teach him to come to church. That's why he's sitting right here. Amen? Every service his parents bring him to the church. But he, whether he's saved or not, I don't know if he's saved or not. 
But I know one thing. He, is, he should be taught until he comes to know Christ to be faithful, and he should be taught to tithe and to look like a Christian, have a nice tithe and have a nice look like a Christian. This is the Lord's Day. You don't dress like that any other day of the week, do you? No, just Sunday, right? Good. You can sit down. You look very nice this morning. Yes. Very few people in our society even have a suit at his age. They look like a bum all the time. Now, you can look like a bum all the other seven, uh, six days, but look like you do on Sunday. Amen. Amen. Because we are coming to the Lord's house. And I was taught when I was a little boy, I came in my Sunday best. And you were too, dear sir, were you not? You looked nice this morning. Why not coming in? Why not come in looking nice? How old are you, sir? 77. Isn't that wonderful? In the church house at 77. Isn't that a good example to young people? You know, most people at, at his age, they're just sitting there, uh, they're, or they're sitting there rocking themselves to, uh, to sleep until they die and go to heaven. Well, why not be at least be in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day? That's a good example to these young ones. Until we middle-aged, and uh, I'm not middle-aged anymore, uh, as you get up there. Amen? You know, you're a good example to me. No, you don't go to you don't go over and shop at Walmart. There was no marts open when I, this man was a little boy, because 14, 15 years ago, none of these stores were open on Sunday, and people used to be able to come to church. Now they can't even come after they get saved because they're working every day of the week, and every day Sunday's just like every other day. Not with me. This is the Lord's day. Amen. She disobeyed the Word of God, and she paid a price. She had instant judgment. And she was made an example as much as Sodom and Gomorrah was. Jesus said, remember. He didn't say, in his sermon, I know he mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah. He mentioned Noah's day, right? Noah and the flood and the ark. But he mentioned expressly and explicitly one woman. Remember Lot's wife. You as a believer, you know what we're finding with our young soldiers when they get saved or they start coming to church? They have a great decision to make because we preach it all at this church. We even preach about people's music because there is music that pleases God and then there's the devil's music. If you haven't heard that yet, you haven't heard much about the music. Music controls a whole society. So it's my job to tell you what music pleases God and what music doesn't please God. And there's others that come here and they used to go to the bunny club. And we tell them you don't go to the bunny club and be a member of this church. Amen. The only time you ever go near the bunny club is when you're preaching at that crowd. And telling them they're all going to hell if they don't repent and get out of that place. That's the only involvement you have with the bunny club or any other club. Amen? Because you are a Christian. And it's a great thing for our fellows. You know why? Because you can't go out with the boys anymore. And then if you're married and you get saved, you can't go out with the boys either. You go out with your wife. You, you know why? Because Preacher Harvey preaches on it. Or you get miserable or upset with the preacher. No, your wife needs you if you're out in the field all the time when you come home. Now, you can maybe do like Brother Lights. He went out with Brother Newburn and, and Brother Dunham yesterday, and they went out to the range, and they like to shoot. And I kind of wished I was with you. Amen, but I was, I was busy. 
Is that just yesterday? Just yesterday. I'm glad you all went. Amen. Had a good time. Saturday's a bad day for me anyhow. I've got to be meditating on my Bible. I've got to preach my big days today. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the fellas getting together. But I'll tell you, your main object, your main, main course, your main concern is your wife. If you neglect her to go out with the boys all the time, you're going to meet that in judgment one day. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Honor them as the weaker vessel. Amen? Isn't that the way you're supposed to? Listen, I've got Bible for that. The whole first year, you're not supposed to go out and be involved with business or war, but you're to stay home. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, you're to stay home and cheer up your wife. That's maybe not in Deuteronomy. It's in one of the Old Testament books. Spend a whole year cheering up your wife. Not be involved with other things. Why? Because she needs to be cheered up. Amen? She doesn't need you on the other side of the world. The first year of your marriage. The, the knitting time. The time that you need each other. God is for the home and the devil's for divorce. Amen? God is for you staying together and toughing it out and doing right. God doesn't care so much how you feel, feel about, uh, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I love her anymore. You're a pretty fickle fellow is what I say, I think. Amen? I can almost see a wife saying that, but I can't see a man, a real man, saying such stupid stuff. You just want your cake and eat it too, sir. God will just let you have it, but boy, you, He'll let you have it, sure enough. He'll blast you good after you mess with someone else's wife and you have a sweet wife at home. God take care of you. Say, well, the courts won't do anything with me. No, but God will do something with you. And we'll do something with you in this church, too. If you try that kind of stuff on your wife in this church. Well, I never heard that before. No, you should have heard a lot of that. Amen. God is for the family. When women are mistreated by their husbands, we jump in. I had one fellow say, well, preacher, I don't know why you need to get involved. I said, yes, we do need to get involved. You're sinning on your wife with that person over at the, over at the motel. And we're, well, I'm going to go to your commander if you don't straighten up, sir. I said, I give you till Thursday to get back with your wife and your four kids. This was over. You said, where, where did you talk to him? Not in my office. I talked to him at McDonald's that way. And he shook. He said, oh, why don't you just leave us alone? No, his wife had come to our church and she asked for our help. And so I think I'll help. <laughs> he was back with his wife before Thursday. What they do after that, that's their business. That's our job to keep homes together. My wife went over to that motel and talked to that hussy he was messing with right in front of her boss. And they were living, shacking up right at the, the little motel over there on 190. My wife and I both got involved. She'd done this with a bunch of other fellas just wanting to get an ID card. And we thought it was time to stop her. And you know what? We stopped her! You say, for good, I don't know. We sure stopped her then. She probably got relieved of her job. And then we called up also. What did we call a Traveler. It used to be the, what was it? Uh, 
Travel Inn or Travel Lodge. One of those right over there on 190. We called up the 1-800 number and said, we want to hear, we want to talk to the owner of this whole outfit. What are you doing letting some woman uh, have, uh, have uh, sin with a man who's in the army who has uh, a wife and five, four or five kids of her own? Right in your motel! He said, well, you shouldn't get involved with things like that. Oh, I delight in it. As long as I don't get shot, I'd like to live a long time. But other than that, we, we delight in doing right. And it'd be worth getting killed over doing right anyhow. Amen. This guy was strong. He lift, lifted thousands of pounds with his, with his legs. I thought it was his arms. I said, what? <laughs> I didn't know much about weightlifting. Anyhow, <laughs> I thought this guy's going to make mincemeat out of me. I said, it's worth it. It's worth it. You can get a family back together. Get a guy's thinking straight now. Amen. Get him back with his sweet, loving wife that he gave five, four or five children to. What's wrong with that guy? He needs a good spiritual boom in his head. Amen. Amen. God's able to do it. Say, well, you didn't love the fellow. I did love him. I, I was trying to help him. The Bible says a woman like that's a deep ditch. Her feet are the way to hell. A woman like that. Well, we've got to get back on Lot's wife. All her precious provisions and memories didn't suffice her when she had her last choice. And she started having a hankering for that which was back there. She started her desire. She had to see all her furniture getting burned up. She had to see the things of this life which mean nothing in the next life burned up. Every commentator that I read behind said she was worldly-minded. She never got converted. She never trusted her husband's God. So she had trouble obeying the Word of God from that same God by the angels. And though the angels had, boy, did they not preserve her? They got her out of the city. They grabbed her, and she was lingering. Don't linger. When God tells you to do something, do it right away. She should have appreciated him and thankful that God was delivering her from the judgment of the fire from heaven. Instead of being thankful and showing gratitude to God, she looks back at her worldly pleasures. And she turns immediately into a pillar of salt. How in the world do you think her husband felt? He turns around there, she's a pillar of salt. How big, I don't know. Where's my wife? The two daughters. Where's mom? Well, she what she was probably doing, she's lingering behind, see. You know, she's lingering behind. If they looked behind at all, all they did was look to the pillar of salt. They didn't look back with a hankering and a love for the, uh, the, the, the pleasures of Sodom. And mom's gone. And the whole world has a monument to her worldliness. And the dangers of trifling with the words of God and seeking. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, 
And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. No, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by His grace. She never was saved by grace through faith. She heard about this God of her husband. How could she live with him when it says daily he was vexed with their filthy communication? Every day he was vexed with their sin. But why did he pitch his tent towards Sodom? And pretty soon he's sitting in the gate of Sodom. Why didn't he take for the hills like, like Abraham did? And he says earlier that, that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom for what? It was like the well-watered plains of Egypt. He had been down in Egypt. And Egypt is always a type of the world. God brought him out of Egypt. God brought Lot, his nephew, out of Egypt. And by the way, was God good to him in Egypt? Absolutely. They numbered, they were protected in Egypt, and they multiplied so much that when they came out of Egypt... Abraham said, we're having strife amongst our herdsmen. Abraham said, whichever way you go, I'll go the other way. Wasn't Abraham, for Abraham looked for a city and whose maker, builder and maker was God. And Sodom had tasted Egypt and the world and he looked for the well-watered plains. They were good for cattle, but they were not good for his children. It was good for his beasts, but it was not good for his soul. Not good for his family, either who were future or were there already. We don't know. No, not. He might have had his family before. Whether she was from Sodom or not, Sodom got into her. And you just pitch your tent. Why don't you do like all the world and pitch your tent toward not having children when you get married, but having a big house all paid for? It's very unnatural, isn't it? And your boat, and it's all paid for. And your, you might as well go a little further. And your beach house, because Grandpa, Grandpa Skillicorn had his beach house over on Thunder Bay, Canada, which we went as kids all the time. So, you know, we get like, you know, we want our beach house too. And we'll serve God after we get our beach house. We'll start settling down and have a family after everything's paid for. And we have two automobiles, one for Mama and one for Daddy. And one for Monstrous George. He just turned 16. We want George to get a brand new car so he can run it up a tree and kill himself with, and take a few other teenagers with him. Our parents today are stupid. Why don't you get them out there and let them work for something? As hard as you work, sir, to get what you have. Our teenagers today want everything that we have at our age, Brother Dormany, and they want it as soon as they get out of high school or as soon as they get married. You can't take your house to heaven. You can't take your car to heaven. You can't take your boathouse to heaven. You can't take your house at the beach to heaven. But you can take your children to heaven. You can take your wife to heaven. You can take your, your grandchildren to heaven. Your neighbors to heaven with you. Your friends to heaven with you. If you witness to them, but if you love the worldly things, you won't help anybody because you're filled with worldliness like Lot's wife. By the way, it's a real danger to stay around 
worldly people all the time. It'll tear you down. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Well, they disobeyed the Word of God. Immediate judgment came upon her. All the blessings and provisions before didn't amount to anything at that last moment when she looked back and God said, That's it! I've taken her rebellious attitude long enough! I'll kill her! You know, every once in a while, God gets in a killing mood. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying God's moody now. Don't get that idea. He gets in that attitude where he's fed up with sin. My spirit shall not always strive with man. He did that when Sodom and Gomorrah came up. He got filled up with this perversion, this homosexuality, and he said, I'll burn them all up. I'll make them an example forever of what I think about this perverted lifestyle. And then he did earlier with Noah. And they probably had a lot of that perversion back there in Noah's day too. It says the very imagination of their hearts were continually evil. So God says, enough, I'll drown everything I've, I'll kill everything I've created. Except Noah, for Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You better thank God for grace. You better thank God, dear friend, that you're not in hell already. But God loves you enough in His grace. God wants to give His grace to you. But you must repent of your sin and believe the gospel and receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, what's the answer to the whole thing? I'll tell you what the whole thing is. The answer is, remember Lot's wife. Just plumbly remember Lot's wife. You know why Jesus said remember Lot's wife? It wouldn't be a bad idea about any kind of a problem come up and remember Lot's wife and say, thank God, Look at, by the way, I, I, this is something to think about. We need to close our message to this morning. Some of you say amen. Let me tell you something. A lot of us, we would think, had not obeyed the word of God many times like Lot's wife had not. At that last moment, she surely disobeyed the word of God. We need to thank God we weren't judged like she, she was judged. That we're not made an example to all those around us of disobedience to His Word. And how many of us, let me say, when you truly get saved though, God puts a, a desire for heavenly things in your heart. And if you love the things of this world that much, friends, and you even love them in the same comparison to the things of heaven, I wonder if you've ever truly, truly been saved by His grace. But the truth of the matter is we're pretty weak, aren't we? And if you were brought up all your life to love the things of this world, you still, when you get saved, you ought to want to give all your money to God and all your time to God because, oh, you're going to heaven. You're going to a place that the street's paved with pure gold, transparent, as clear as glass. Amen? What do you need the gold of this world for that's on your ring? The only, thing, only reason I wear this, I want to let everybody know that I'm already taken. I'm not available to anybody but God and my wife. Hallelujah. Amen. But who cares about that gold? By the way, I found this one in a church house. What does it matter? All it is is something. You know, it's 14 carat. doesn't bend too easily. If you had too many carats, I guess it would bend all over the place. It wouldn't be any good to you either. Who cares about gold, friend? Oh, we sure get concerned in Texas. Oh, I wonder if we buy that property if there's oil underneath there. 
Huh? I wonder if we have the mineral rights to this property we just bought. Oh, are we not all excited about things that don't matter a great deal? For that could ruin you. I know I said that earlier, it could ruin you. Remember Lot's wife. And then act accordingly and don't be like Lot's wife. Be saved for yourself. Be sure you're saved yourself, dear lady friend. And then if it, put the shoe on the other foot. If you're a man, your wife's religion, how many men we come to the door, oh, you want to talk to my wife, you weak thing, you. I don't say that to him, but I feel like saying, you weak whip, you. Why would you ever want your wife to be more spiritual than you are? It's not for kids. It's not for children. God is for man. Jesus was a man. And those that followed Him were 12 men. And then 70 men. And now millions of men. Not a weak thing to be a Christian. In fact, it's kind of rough for people to hate you. People get so upset with you, they want to gnaw on you, like Stephen. Amen? Jesus said they hated me, they'll hate you. What do you think? Do you think Mrs. Lot got all associated with all the women in Sodom? You think she maybe was the, the leader of the bird watchers in Sodom? Hey, Lot sat in the gate. When Lot went into Sodom, he had great wealth. She was set, she thought, for life. She got out of the city of destruction like Pilgrim did in the Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Christian did. But Christian got into the pearly gates. You know something else? She'd already been delivered. She was pretty close, wasn't she? She was like ignorance as he comes up to the gate. And they said, what, what be your name? My name be ignorance. Well, we'll look and see if your name is written here. Comes back in a few moments. We have no name of ignorance here. Because see, our name is written up there. Amen? Where be thy certificate? Did you come through the wicked gate? Certificate, certificate. What kind of certificate? What are they talking about? Certificate, certificate. I've gone to church. I've, I've been, I, I, I thought this was the right, this is the right way. I know it is. Uh, oh, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't have any certificate. You will not have an entrance into this place of bliss in glorious heaven, without a certificate. Oh, oh, I believe, I believe you've made a mistake, ignorance says. There are no mistakes made here! Comes the word from the servant of God. And he's all troubled and ignorance says, I thought I was doing right. I thought I was... The word comes from the Almighty God through His servants. Bind Him hand and foot! and cast him into outer darkness. And as he's being bound and taken, oh, 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 don't do, don't do, oh, 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 ah! 
ignorance of the blood of Jesus will take you to the pit of hell. Not receiving Christ as your Savior will take you to the same place that ignorance went. You'll come up to that very gate like Lot's wife did. She was, she was close. She might have been in view of the city that they were, Zoar, where they were going. She might have been in view of it with her eyes, and yet she looked back and bam, immediately she's taken into hellfire itself. She escaped the flames of Sodom, but she went to the flames of hell for all eternity. Her worldliness took her there. Her love for the world took her there. And dear Christian, if you're truly saved today, the worldliness of Mrs. Lot, the wife of Lot, Lot's wife, can take your testimony away. And the joy of the Christian life, and it can take your assurance away too, and your peace away if you dabble in sin. I don't know what Lot's wife's main sin was, but you know what yours is this morning. It's coming up, isn't it, on your computer? The sin that so easily besets you, is it coming up? Huh? Is it coming up before you? Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's unfaithfulness. Maybe it's loving things. Maybe it's being unkind to people. Bitter, nasty attitude. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you're a false accuser, a gossip. What is your major problem? So I've got so many of them, preacher. Just, um, no good. I'm glad you found you got to that place. Now God can help you. When He gets you to the end of yourself, and He's ready to jump in and take over. Amen. Someone says, well, God is my co-pilot. No, He is my pilot. My pilot. We just need to get out of there and let Him take over. Remember Lot's wife. Let's bow for prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We go to the Lord in prayer at this time. We do this so we'll think about eternity and the things of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For a moment of introspection, we look inside and find out what's going on and look to God who can take us out of our sin. And make us like unto His glorious, perfect, sinless self. As we're plunged into the blood of Christ and washed in His precious blood and made new in the blood of the Lamb.